The following broadcast by the Kingdom Voice, Dr. Dana Carson, is made possible through DCKM Partners. Dr. Carson teaches the power of the kingdom in its original Jewish context that will revolutionize and transform your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Check out our website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from the Kingdom Voice. This gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the world as a witness. I'm a witness. Would you go be a witness? In this gospel of the kingdom the good shall be spread across the world. Welcome to the Dynamic Kingdom Teaching Ministry of Dr. Dana Carson, affectionately known as the Kingdom Voice. The teaching ministry of Apostle Carson is touching the world through social media, radio, podcasts, internet, and television. We're so glad that you tuned in with us, and we know that you are going to be empowered and transformed by the powerful teachings of the Kingdom Voice, Dr. Dana Carson, as he opens the scriptures and teaches the Bible from its original Jewish context. We hope that after hearing the teaching ministry of Apostle Carson, the Kingdom Voice, you will pray about becoming a partner with Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries and help us preach the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Now please sit back and enjoy the teaching and preaching ministry of Dr. Dana Carson, the Kingdom Voice, as he teaches in this series, Understanding, Calling, and Election. DCKM Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries We must understand our identity in order to functionally participate in our role in society and the kingdom and embrace the fact that identity creates the platform for intimacy with God. I tell people all the time, you have no business entering into a relationship and you have not come to grips with who you are. Before God gave Adam Eve, he let Adam get to know Adam. You've got to know who you are in order to establish intimacy with another. And you have to know who you are in God before you can have intimacy with God. Well, if you don't believe that, I'm telling you it's the truth. The Bible commands us to love God with all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls, and our neighbor as ourselves. Hence, intimacy with God and man is critical and is built upon the foundation of identity. We cannot have a functional relationship with God nor man without knowing who we are in God, which comes from revelation. God has to reveal to us who we are. Now, the issue of identity is a crucial issue as it relates to calling and election. The issue and uh, the issue and the human complexity of dual identity has really become a stumbling block for many who are saved or, or who simply consider themselves uh, spiritual. Now, we talk about dual identity. That's a very important thing. When we talk about, dual, when we talk about calling and election, see, every, every teaching is line upon line, precept upon precept. And so you have to understand certain principles before you can then understand other principles. So it's the understanding of found, fundamental foundational things that open you up to be able to uh, understand some more advanced things. So 
we talk about dual identity. Dual identity is built upon our natural life and our spiritual life. Uh, Nick, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, we are born of the flesh and we must be born again of the spirit. Jesus was the son of man and he was the son of God. He had his human nature and he had his divine nature. When we confuse the natural man with the spiritual man, our lives can become chaotic to say the least. We begin to define our spiritual lives based upon our natural lives and we begin to spiritualize our natural lives at the expense of neglecting and forsaking our spiritual man or our spiritual uh, nature. Now, uh, when this happens, it becomes almost impossible to make your calling and election sure or certainty. So when we talk about uh, election, uh, the sovereign act of God uh, based upon the will and omniscience uh, to choose, he personally chose to redeem fallen man through Jesus Christ. That was his sovereign act of election. Thus God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. When the Bible speaks of election, it's, it's speaking of the sovereign act of God in grace, whereby he chose us in Christ Jesus. Uh, all those whom he foreknew would accept him for salvation. Because remember, he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He knows uh, past, present, and future simultaneously. There's never time that God focuses just on one dimension of our existence, past, present, or future. Uh, our past, present, and future is all before God, all at the same time. So God doesn't make departmental decisions. He makes holistic decisions because he understands your past, your present, and your future simultaneously. Now, in essence, when we talk about election, election is simply God's choice. It's a sovereign act of grace uh, in that he chose those who were utterly unworthy of salvation. You and I were not worthy of salvation. Um, we're born in sin, we're shaping in iniquity. God knew that would be our reality. Um, but because he's God, he elected to choose us in Christ Jesus based on his own independent will and omniscience, all-knowingness. Now, the scriptures are concerned with mainly the saving of sinners. Now, I want you to understand that. Now, it's not mainly concerned about your payday and your blessing. It is mainly concerned about the saving of sinners. That's the reason you don't hear much about election over pulpits today, because that doesn't uh, fit in pop theology and trendy messages. But it, it has everything to do with life after death, because the Bible says, and we read these Second uh, Peter 1, 10, 11, it says, be sure to make your calling, and uh, uh, it says, 
Make sure you make your calling and election sure. It says make uh, make sure that you make your calling and being chosen a certainty and you will not stumble. So if you do not make your election and your calling for a certainty or sure, then you're going to stumble. And we have a whole bunch of people stumbling around life like functional alcoholics tripping all over themselves because they do not know who they are. And as a result, they do not know whose they are and they do not know their election, nor are they certain about their calling. Thus, election, <clears throat> beloved, holds special prominence in the scripture and in theology. The Bible is all about how God saves and redeems a fallen humanity by his grace. And he understands how some would re embrace uh, the redemptive work of Christ, uh, Jesus, he understands that. Uh, and he also understands how some would not embrace. So God understands that even though he's providing salvation for mankind some, and through the redemptive work of Christ, he, he that knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But not everyone will accept the, the, the finished work of Christ on Calvary as a full payment for their sin because that means then they have to give up their life in order to gain eternal life. And some people are too in love with their life, so therefore they're not willing to give that life up. And, and as a result, they spiritualize their carnal life and call what they're doing the will of God. So let me, let's talk a little bit. So while election can be, it's, it's extremely, it can be a complex concept in theology, it is a fact in scripture and it is relevant to your, to, to, to your salvation. Your walk with God is predicated upon calling and election. Uh, and, and, <clears throat> and with this being such a fundamental and foundational peace, our walk with God is imperative. It's, it's imperative, uh, our walk with God, it's imperative that we understand what our calling and election is, especially in the 21st century. Today, people are extremely confused about the concept of calling and election. Uh, and I believe it's based on the issue of dual identity. Many people have replaced calling with career, which is the choice of the individual, not the purpose of God. Now, career is your choice. That's not God's purpose for your life. People are defining their calling and election through the lens of watershed thinking. So as a result, through watershed thinking, uh, we begin to define our calling through our natural man. There is no such thing as being called to be a lawyer or a school teacher, though these are noble careers. And hey, I applaud them, they're great. Keep on keeping on. However, God did not create you to function 
in a natural career. God did not give birth to you and and save you in Christ Jesus so that you can have a thriving career. Uh, however, because of the confusion of dual identity, people carry into their relationship with Christ their old identity and how they define themselves prior to being born again. So, you know, before you're born again, that which is flesh is flesh. You have a natural identity. We talked about that with Eric Erickson's uh, psychosocial model of development, uh, identity and role confusion. If you're healthy, you understand who you are. And at the ages of 12 to 14, you're asking those significant questions. Who am I? Where am I going? And how do I get there? Well, that has everything to do with uh, the exploration between 12 and 14, sexual exploration and occupational exploration. So you're trying to figure out what you're going to do in life. So in the natural, people do identify themselves in their natural man by their careers uh, and, and other things. But when it comes to believers and the Bible, we don't define ourselves by careers. Uh, and so uh, it's important that you understand that you're born again, and when you're born again, you get a different identity. So that's why we call it dual identity. For example, you know, people say, I'm called to be a lawyer. So what happens, uh, let's say that you say your purpose is to be a lawyer, and you get disbarred. What happens if you say your purpose is to be a lawyer and you don't pass the bar? What, what happens if you say that you're called to be a doctor but you can't pass the medical exam? So, so there goes your calling. Now you know. So, so, or you say, well, I guess God didn't call me to that. Come on, man. Listen, what happens when your natural career then comes to a close? What about when you're a retired doctor, retired lawyer, retired engineer, or retired school teacher? So are you now existing in life with no purpose, or now your purpose is God has called me to retirement? How silly can we get? Now, because then that means your calling has ended. This is simply watershed thinking where people take upon themselves to define themselves by something they take great pride in and then they affirm themselves in it and then say, this is what God made me to be and do. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. This, <laughs> listen, this is one of the main reasons for watershed racism and classism, white pride, the pride of wealth, etc. Uh, we experienced in our world through colonization, uh, people defining themselves by that and defining you by this. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. The scripture refers to it as the pride of life, uh, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to, the natural man. Now, you have to understand, you practicing law is not your calling. You becoming an engineer is not your calling. But because we have departed from the scripture and have secularized our lives through watershed thinking, we have redefined the biblical calling and 
election of God. Jesus was a carpenter. Paul was a tent maker. Matthew was a tax collector. As I said yesterday, Judas was good with numbers, but this was not their calling nor election. In fact, God's call subjugated their natural careers. Uh, careers are not callings, nor is a call relegated to those uh, who are simply pulpit ministers that people refer to as reverence. Uh, now, we discussed the doctrine of election. We said that we, in order to really understand the doctrine of election, we had to begin to understand it uh, within discussion of predestination and foreordination as it relates to the redemption of sinners, remembering that the scriptures are mainly concerned with the saving of sinners or fallen humanity. Once again, the biblical understanding of election, uh, of election and calling is rooted in the Greek term uh, ekloge. Ekloge uh, in the Greek uh, simply means divine choice, ekloge, divine choice or selection. The biblical idea of election is understood uh, through multiple categories uh, of election, which we uh, shared uh, with you on uh, yesterday, uh, where we talked about the election of a group. Uh, we talked about uh, the election of Israel. We talked about the election of the church. Then we talked about the election of individuals or people who were elected to special offices like prophets, priests, kings, and fivefold ministry. And then we talked about those who were elected as individuals to be children of God or heirs of eternity. So <clears throat> once again, summarizing, there are three groups of election, the election of the group, which we see Israel as the elect of God in the Older Testament, the church as the elect of God in the Newer Testament. Then we see the election of offices in the Older Testament, uh, prophets, priests, king. Then we see the election of offices in the Newer Testament as he, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And so we talked about the difference between an elected office and a delegated office. Like the office of the deacon is not an elected office by God in election. It's a delegated office, which an elected official of the kingdom delegates authority, gives delegated authority to a deacon who's subject to fivefold ministry, not fivefold ministry subject to a delegated uh, diaconate uh, ministry. So um, th then the next was the election of individuals as children of God. So Israel as a whole uh, and Israel as individuals represented the elect of God and the church as a whole and individuals uh, uh, are considered the children of God and through adoption. 
So when it comes to the discussion of election in the new in the newer testament, as mentioned, it must be understood in the arena of predestination and foreknowledge, which uh, we're we're going to get to now in this study. So when we discuss election and predestination, you will hear the terms uh, often uh, Calvinist, uh, which are considered. Uh, Calvinists are people which are considered to follow John Calvin. Uh, we know them today as Presbyterians, and they are known as practicing a theology that is categorized as the reform tradition. Uh, and they tend to see election. So this is important when we talk about election. So just let me get through this for a couple of minutes, explain this to you. So, because this is important, because when you talk about predestination, uh, there are a couple of concepts out there, and you, you need to just at least be aware. So when it comes to uh, the Calvinists uh, and how they tend to see election, even though I differ with uh, what people say Calvin taught and believed. I studied Calvin, his institutes, and his his life and theology, and I kind of take a different interpretation. But the modern um, Presbyterians are seen as Calvinists, and, uh, and they see election and the predetermination of God as tied to predestination. They believe that God predestined some people to go to heaven and then some he predestines to go to hell. We call that predestination. Now, Calvinists are not thought to be, be they, I mean, Calvinists, they're, they're thought to be very big on the sovereignty of God. And so they're saying through the sovereignty of God, God preselected some that he said will go to hell and some to go to heaven. Now, the Bible doesn't doesn't teach that, and I'm going to show you that. The belief is uh, those who are not elected are doomed to suffer the consequences for being born in sin with the corrupt nature and the guilt that accompanies sinful action. However, I believe that the Bible presents a different view than this watershed view of election, which supports colonization and Americanization of the gospel which uh, uh, serves that as one of the foundations of uh, the philosophy of American theology founded uh, by sociologist Max Weber in his work, The Protestant Work Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. And he defines America as one of God's or the uh, favorite of God. And you can see that based on uh, her, uh, her capitalistic advantages in the world. So the Bible teaches that election, however, is predicated upon uh, foreknowledge. Now this suggests uh, who God already knew uh, would accept. He knew who, who he knew would accept Christ and everyone who would not accept Christ. So he foreknew that, who would and who would not accept Christ. He did not choose to make them accept Christ or reject Christ. In his omniscience, he knew. So 
while hell is a very clear reality, salvation is not simple. As, it's not as simple as being assigned to heaven or hell by God. God doesn't assign some people to hell and then some people to heaven. You and I make that choice ourselves. But because, remember, there's no information or knowledge outside of the knowledge or, or the grasp of God, God knew what you were going to do before you did it. So God doesn't react, he proacts. Because he, his proactiveness is based on his omniscience, his all-knowing. So let's examine the scripture uh, to further understand uh this rarely discussed but very serious concept calling an election or um, the divine choice of God. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 4 and 5. Let me read that to you real quick and let's read that together. And I'll just read it in my New King James Version because it was the closest one to me. Now, just as he chose us in him, listen to that, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, before things got set out, that we should be holy. We were chosen to be holy and without blame and before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, most people read that passage of scripture and just say, I find, no, I, I find no interest there. But the scripture declares in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having foreordained us unto adoption as sons through Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Uh, it's important that we understand that uh, God did this uh, according to uh, the, uh, the good pleasure of his will. And we didn't choose him. He chose us. Uh, eglegomai. Uh, uh, eg eglegomai is the term here. Eglegomai, to make a choice between uh, uh, alternatives or, or options. It's not like God had to choose us. The inferences of eglegomai is he preferred us. So he chose us in Christ. So he chose us uh, in, and the Greek term in here has the primary uh, nuance or implication of rest. So he chose us to rest in Christ or what Christ has done. It's, 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 it's important, man. Uh, so it said rest in him. Him? Who is him? Not him downstairs. Who is him? Him is Jesus Christ. It refers to Jesus Christ. He didn't choose us outside of Christ. Uh, he chose us in Christ. So the election took place in Christ Jesus. Now, God knew 
who would respond affirmatively to Jesus Christ's invitation to renounce themselves uh, or those who uh, would love themselves so much that they were going to keep on living their life. So where did God choose us? In Christ. He chose that group of people that would say yes to him uh, or to his son, Jesus Christ, for his good pleasure. That was to his good pleasure to embrace those that would embrace his son. So when did he do this? So when did God elect you and I for salvation in his son? Did he do it the day you accepted him? No, the Bible says this. He did it before the foundation of the world. Now, that word pro, before, before place and time. And he did it before the foundation. The term kataboule. Kataboule. Kata means down. Uh, bo, uh, bo, bole or bolo means to throw. And so the, it's a combination of two Greek terms, kataboule, which means God chose us in Christ Jesus before he threw down. So before God threw down, you and I uh, had already been chosen in Christ Jesus. Now this is powerful. Thus before the foundation of the world or before God threw down the world, he had already chosen you and I in Christ Jesus, meaning before there was even an Adam or Eve we were chosen to be holy in Christ Jesus before the katabole, before the foundation of the world, we were chose to be hagios. We were chose to be holy. And hagios means to be set aside or separate. God says, those who I select or elect in Christ Jesus, I'm going to set them aside for something very special. When you are elected, you are elected to become holy, according to Ephesians uh, 1, 4, and 5. Paul tells us that we should be set aside and cleansed or without blemish, which means to be perfected before God, and that happens through the redemptive acts and works and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is talking about the redemptive acts of Christ Jesus. After that, after uh, the redemptive acts of Christ Jesus, it then said we became eligible for uh, uh, adoption, quiothesia. Uh, quiothesia is a combination of two Greek terms, quio, uh, uh, it's where we get quios, quios, which means son, and then thesia is to theme, which means to put or to place. So that means adoption is to place us in God as sons. So we've been received into a relationship with God, and uh, after Jesus redeemed us, we became eligible for adoption. Thus, we have been foreordained or predestined into adoption as uh, through Jesus Christ unto himself according to the good pleasure of his will, which means God put us into a special relationship only after we were chosen in Christ, we were redeemed by his acts, 
because we were chosen before the world uh, was founded and we were redeemed uh, in the mind of God at the very beginning. However, uh, personally, we experienced it after the work of Christ here on earth and we were adopted as sons of God. Now, this was based upon the sovereign real will of God, not upon the merits of man. God created both human beings and angelic beings with the will and knew what they would will to do. Satan had a will. He said, I will exalt my throne above God or the heavens or the stars. He had free will. Adam had free will. He could choose to do or not to do. God knew what we would do with our individual free wills and, and chose us in Christ Jesus, which means those that get saved, God knew you would get saved because you would use your free will to choose Christ Jesus. But those of you that would not get saved, he knew you would use your free will not to choose Christ Jesus. And so based on what you would use your free will to do, he then predestined you. But all of this happened when? It happened before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 1 and 20 says, and Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. So election took place prior to the fall of Adam. You say, well, how could it take place prior to the fall of Adam? Because of his omniscience. That's why when I started off, I started talking to you about sovereignty based on his will and omniscience. And I explained that uh, time past, time present, time future is always before the Lord. There's never a decision to be made because he always knows. And when you have to make a decision, a decision normally implies you have some new data and you've got to now make a choice because uh, you can't have both, both ways or both things, but not so with God. Nothing catches God like that. God doesn't ever have to react. God always proacts. So God's already, he, everything that God's going to do, he's already done. The Bible said that he, uh, he, uh, he, he completed things in the, at the beginning. He decided the end at the beginning. And so before things even start started in creation, they were already over in the mind of God. Thank you for listening to the kingdom teaching of Dr. Dana Carson. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, visit drdanacarson.org slash radio. If you would like to know more about the kingdom and your faith, we invite you to enroll in the Kingdom Bible University. Check this out. Studying the Bible can be challenging if you don't understand what you're reading. The Ethiopian eunuch admitted that he couldn't understand except someone teach him. As kingdom citizens, we are called to live out God's word in every moment of our lives, but we must understand the word in order to do that. The Kingdom Bible University was created to help believers learn God's word on a practical level and teach you how to live it out in your daily life. KBU desires to help you achieve the kingdom knowledge and empowerment of the Bible 
that helps you enhance your spiritual life to maximize your potential. Find out more information about KBU by visiting our website, www.kingdombibleuniversity.com. Understand the Bible like never before and experience the power that is within to change your life for God's glory. Learn more about KBU today. Before we end this broadcast, we would like to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now, acknowledging that I am a sinner and in need of your grace. Save me, Lord. Make me clean. All that I am, all that I have, I give to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you said this prayer, we celebrate with you. And we invite you to join online to further your kingdom journey at therockwoi.com and click on join online. We would love to assist you through your new kingdom life and send you a free copy of Dr. Carson's book, My New Life in the Kingdom. We look forward to connecting with you. Have you ever desired to be a part of making history and accomplishing great things? Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries is making history and through DCKM Partners, we are accomplishing significant ministry opportunities for the kingdom of God. DCKM Ministries spreads the gospel of the kingdom around the world through broadcasts like this. And if you would like to be a part of Touching Lives, partner with DCKM today. Testimonies come in daily of how lives are transformed through the power of the word. When you partner with DCKM, you help receive breakthroughs, miracles, and the transformational word of God. Would you consider becoming a partner? Your monthly love gift and weekly prayers really can make a huge difference. No amount is too small. Visit drdanacarson.org to find out more information on how to become a partner. And we look forward to the impact you can make around the world. That concludes today's broadcast. Thank you for listening to the ministry of Dr. Dana Carson. Until next time, may the kingdom of God rule and reign in your hearts and minds. In this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the world as a witness. I'm a witness. Would you go be a witness? In this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the world. The preceding broadcast has been brought to you by DCKM Partners, helping people to know God, make Him known to others, and spread the kingdom message around the world. Find out more at drdanacarson.org. DCKM, Dana Carson, Kingdom Ministry.